right, hello everyone. Okay, I I like to give sermons, I don't know if this is a bit loud, I like to give sermons the title because it helps me to get to where I'm going. So uh, hopefully that will help you as well to see where my heart is for all of us as a church and hopefully what God's going to speak to us. Um, so I've called today, Have Peace, God is in Control. Does that sound good? Great. And in order to do that, I wanted to start off by going through um, uh, Jesus calming the storm. So if you can turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. should come up behind you, but if you can look it up in your Bibles as well. Okay. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, that's Jesus, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's an amazing story, isn't it? And um, I was going through this story with my kids last week. And their response at the end was, which I thought was amazing, was, wow. One of them said, so Jesus is telling them that he's God. And I thought, you've basically got it. That's my sermon. And then the other one said, so nothing is impossible for God. And I was like, yeah, that is totally right. And I just love that. I love childlike faith because it doesn't complicate things. It just gets to what Jesus is about. And what I love is that today for all of us, For all of us, this is what God wants for us. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know him deeper. And I love that that's God's heart for us. Uh, I know that sometimes myself, uh, for those of you who know me, you would know that I'm very achievement and task driven. I love to know what I'm doing and where I'm going with it. And what Jesus has had to teach me over and over again is that the things I can do for him are great. Of course, there's loads to do, and he wants me to get on board with that, get on board with the journey. But he keeps reminding me, don't lose sight of me. I'm your first love. I just want you to remember to keep knowing me and knowing me deeper. And so that's just what I want to pray for us this morning, this afternoon. Yeah, Father, I just, I pray that none of us here will miss the best that you've got for us. And the best today is for us to know Christ. I pray that you would come right now by the power of your spirit and your presence here, that you would open each of our eyes in a new way, that you would unveil yourself to us in a new way. Lord, that you would come and teach us, you would show us together as your body, brothers and sisters, that we would see more of who you are. More than anything, I pray, take us deeper. Lord, as we look at um, what Jesus is about, I pray you will take us deeper. Take us deeper and give us a hunger for knowing you more. I pray it in Jesus' name. Okay, so what I love about this 
is that Sarah Gardner basically preached half of my sermon, um, which is that one of my favorite verses is Colossians 1 verse 16. And it says, for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And this is Jesus. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus, as we can see in calming the storm, Jesus is the one who has created. He is the one through him. We have been created. Everything has been created. He controls everything. He sustains everything. He sustains us. He controls our lives. He knows what's going on. And that's what I love about reading uh, uh, this story, is that that's what we see. We see Jesus, uh, who is demonstrating amazing power to his disciples. And he wants to remind us of his power today. Um, So let's look, let's go through the story. Um, Okay, so basically, all of chapter 4, Jesus has been teaching parables. He's been sitting with many that have gathered around him by the Sea of Galilee. So we're not told in this particular um, passage that it's the Sea of Galilee, but we're sure it's the Sea of Galilee because that's where he did most of his teaching. So he sat with them by the sea and um, he sat... He sat with all of them gathered and we can assume from what Jesus is like, from his track record of amazing compassion and love for people that he probably also performed some miracles. He healed people. This has been a long day. This has been a long day for Jesus, loving, healing, teaching. And it gets to the evening and he says, come on, let's go across to the other side. And um, uh, we're told that they go into the boat and others follow him. I don't, I don't know. There might be loads of sailors here, but I don't know anything about boats. And so in my head, when I was imagining Jesus in this boat, I don't know why, but in the past I imagined he was like in a big boat, probably with different compartments, maybe like a, a fancy yacht or a pirate ship. Because um, as you read on later, that's, well, that was my assumption, and we'll go into why. Um, but... In 1986, uh, in the Sea of Galilee, archaeologists um, dug out in the mud um, a boat, the remnants of a boat, and they've called it the Jesus boat because they say it dates back to when um, Jesus and the disciples were around. And so they've called it the Jesus boat. And so we can assume that that was a similar boat to what they used. And actually, it's just like a wooden boat. It probably took, at the most, about 15 people. Um, So if you imagine, there's probably, at the most, about 15 people on this boat with him, and then other followers also coming behind in other boats, because they want to follow Jesus to where he's going. They want to hear what else is going to go on at the other side of the sea. And this might be of interest to you, but I like looking at maps when I see um, where Jesus was, what he was teaching. And so if you look at a map of the Sea of Galilee, I don't know if much of you know about geography. I did it much before looking at this map. But it's not actually a sea, it's a lake. And so it's a lake that's surrounded by mountains. And um, the water is, is the, I think it's supposed to be the lowest freshwater lake in the world. And so um, the source of it is from the Jordan River as well as underground springs that come out from underground springs. Um, So that's fresh water that's coming in. And um, this area was subject to earthquakes and is still, and also severe winds. So 
the fishermen that we've got here, so most of the disciples, I think seven out, out of all of them were um, fishermen, they would have had experience of this sea, they would have had experience of the winds, and, uh, you know, we can assume that they've probably seen stuff happen. So they did not want to be on this lake at such a time, in a dangerous time, when there was going to be a storm. And then what we hear is that there is a great windstorm. So imagine, I've never been in such a weather where there has been hurricanes or anything, but when you see it in the news, it's loud, isn't it? It's like, it looks fierce, it's scary, there's raging winds and people are frightened. So actually, this actually did happen. Um, in, uh, the disciples, their natural emotion was to be afraid because it was dangerous. They looked around them and they can see the boat is filling up. Um, they can see that the raging waves are coming. They can see that there is danger around them. And they, and they rightfully had a fearful um, uh, emotion towards everything that was going on around them. But we go to Jesus and he, what's he doing? He's asleep on the cushion, it says. Um, again, because of my knowledge of boats, I had to look up that actually he was just sleeping in the back. So there's just this boat and he's, he's still there. So he's not in a separate compartment. He's not in a nice comfy bedroom in the yacht, you know, beneath where the disciples are with buckets, um, you know, throwing water overboard because it's filling up and they're panicking. Um, he's not just in the quiet down below sleeping. He's actually right there. He's right at the back. And this raging, the cries and the fear and the, the, the wind and the noise, all that, all that panic, everything is there happening around him. He's actually right there with them in a very small proximity. And that sort of gave me a new insight into actually what was going on. That amongst all of that, I just saw the picture of it. You know, it's like you can imagine this image of all the, all the, all the craziness that's going on. And Jesus is there and there is nothing but calm and quietness. He's asleep. And um, also what I love is that it shows... Jesus is true humanity, that he was fully human as well as being fully God. Uh, actually, he was tired. He was tired from his day, so he had to sleep. And uh, I, was try- I remembered when I was thinking of this kind of sleep, I sort of laughed to myself because of the, the tiredness, because I remembered Hazia once when he came back from work. He was so tired that he fell asleep while watching a film. I didn't know this because I was in the kitchen cooking, and the kids were all cuddled with him on the sofa. And then I could hear shouting and jumping and screams and you know loads of laughter going on but I couldn't hear Hazia and I thought I wonder what's going on I poked my head through and Hazia is snoring really loud he's in a deep sleep and there are children you know boys jumping on him a little baby crawling on top of him and he was so tired that he was out and God understands God knows that tiredness he can um, sympathize with us with our weaknesses he knows what it is to be tired, which is good for a mum to know that. And then we have this massive contrast um, with Jesus and the disciples. See, because they panicked and they ran towards him and they woke him up and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So I love seeing that, actually. Sometimes we can be really panicked. I see myself in the disciples. A sense of real panic, uh, fear, and actually, Jesus is the total opposite. There's real calm, there's peace, uh, there's control. He knows what's going on, 
and he's not responding in a panicked way. How does he respond? He responds calmly. It's just so simple. It's in one verse. He gets up, he wakes up, and he says to the winds, peace, be still. And that's it. With the voice with his words, it is done. And that, there's so much power when Jesus speaks. There's so much power when he speaks. When he spoke uh, and told Lazarus to rise, what happened? He came back to life. When he spoke and told demons to flee, what happened? They obeyed. They flee. And there's just so much power when Jesus speaks. That's why we need to constantly hear his voice. Because there is so much power when he speaks. And what does he say? Peace, be still. Everyone needs to hear this from Jesus because actually it doesn't mean that there are no troubles in our lives. It doesn't mean that there won't be storms. Um, I read a lot of the Psalms and in Isaiah there's all these images of the people that are uh, storm-tossed. And it's just, you see this image, and actually Jesus is right there. He's active, he's present, and he wants to give us peace, and he wants to come and quiet us. And that's the real sense of in our hearts. It's not saying I can't express my emotions. It's not saying that I have to uh, deny all my feelings and say, oh, no, I can't feel that. I can't feel fear. I can't feel worry. I can't. It's a real sense of just coming to him and being quiet. It's knowing who he is and we're going we're to get to seeing that because that's what the, ended up happening with the disciples. They were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I really love that. That's the bit that really got my attention because what we have is people who are really afraid. So they're in the storm. They have this external circumstance. They see around them. There's something going on and they're afraid. And that's in the panic. They're in danger. But then, when he calms everything and it's all calm, what does it say about them? It doesn't say they just felt lovely and that was it. Actually, their response was they had a great fear. They were very afraid. And that really got my attention. I wanted to know what it is. What is it? that? that why is that the response? And uh, it really reminded me of when, in, in the book of Revelation... Um, John sees uh, Jesus face to face and his response is what? It's, he falls down like a dead person. It's this sense of reverence and awe and in our hearts really acknowledging, wow, this is God. This is God. And that's exactly what happened. So the disciples, they would have been really familiar with the Psalms. And let me read you a Psalm. So this is one I'm sure they would have known. Psalm 107. And they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. At that moment, the disciples recognize God himself is in this little dinghy boat with us. The creator is in this boat with us. And if that isn't going to do something Stir an emotion in them, an emotion of great reverence and awe and fear. That's what it is, is to just recognize, whoa, this, this is God. This isn't just buddy-buddy talk. This isn't just like, oh, he's so lovely, he's my best friend. You know, that's great. 
But actually there is something in just acknowledging, whoa, I'm on holy ground here because this is God and he is powerful. I love that we can see those same images in the psalm and in the, 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 the story in Mark. Um, God is there when people cry out to him and they're in trouble. And he delivers them. I love that. He also comes and he brings peace and stillness. But he doesn't stop right there. What I love is he picks up. So he says he brought them to their desired haven. He literally picks up at the right time. He picks us out out of that situation and he brings into a better place. And I said, I, I just love to see things like that physically. It's a sense of like God is saying, I'm not just going to leave you in that. I'm not going to leave you in that, but I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to take you over here into a better place. And he does that because of his steadfast love. He does that because his love for us moves him. He's got compassion. And he isn't a God whose hands are taken off of us. He's totally involved. He is an active God who acts, who watches who's aware of everything that's going on. God wants us to be still in a new way, to constantly be still and know who he is. And I love that. Actually, it's not, it's not that we just meet with him and we get to know him once and that's enough. See, so if you don't know Jesus today, he really wants to know you. That's his heart for you. That's why he sent Jesus, because he wants you to come into a relationship with him. He wants you to know that Jesus alone, his blood and his death on the cross will bring you into reconciliation, will bring you into a relationship with the one who has made you. And I love that. And if you don't know that today, then please come into it. Come to know how amazing that that is. But at the same time, you see, once we've been brought into that, sometimes we can lose sight of that. We can lose sight of that stillness, that peace, that quietness that we can have before God. Because actually, life has got troubles and things are hard. Things are hard and we can get distracted. We can have fear. We can have worry. What are some of the Christians things that as Christians we can be afraid of and we can fear and we can uh, yeah, worry about? So I've made a list of some that I know I've experienced myself and I've heard others talk about. One of them is health. You know, that's a big thing. Either that you are sick or you know someone who's sick or you just have a fear of sickness. That can be really hard. That in itself is a trouble. God is not saying, you know, he's not saying that's not happening. It is like the storm is happening. It's happening. It really is. And actually, God is in that. He wants to come. He wants to come and bring peace and stillness in that. But sometimes the worry and, and the fear of what can happen to our health or the health of, health of others can really be controlling. It can lead us into not having any sleep, into um, be, being discouraged and falling away from following Jesus. In the same way, relationships, you know, this is the big one. What do people think of me? What are people saying about me behind my back? Are people saying nice things? When, when someone has said a horrible thing to you, oh, it can really knock you and it can make you worry and be afraid and not want to go into intimacy and closeness with people again. Money's a big thing as well. It can cause worry. You can, um, you know, I know it's happened to me in the past where I get it on my, on my phone and every morning I'm just thinking, oh, what's in our account? Are we doing all right? Is everything okay? And God's just convicted me and said, stop that. You need to just bring it before me. You need to bring it before me. I'm not saying don't have 
you know, good management and be aware of your finances. But don't worry. Don't be so panicked that you have to check your account. It's okay. Give it to me. And same with achievements. You know, have, have we achieved enough? Have I invested enough in my kids because I really want them to be in this place in the future? That can cause me to worry. There's nothing wrong with wanting good, wanting to invest in their lives, but I can end up worrying and panicking and thinking, have I done enough? Have I done what's good? I need to do this myself. And same with achievements at work. You know, are we being recognized enough for what we're doing? See, there's loads of things that we can be afraid, for, afraid of. And God is saying, why are you afraid? He's not saying, what are you afraid of? Because I think when you come before him, it's obvious what, what you're afraid of. But he's saying, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? And have you still no faith? The thing with fear is, when we are afraid and we worry, it can cause an illusion of control. I know I've done this myself. I feel like it's, you know, it's okay because I've, I'm thinking about it, right? So I'm overthinking it. I'm going from here to there. Within, a, within five minutes, I've already thought about how I'm going to make everything okay. And actually, all that's done is it's given me an illusion of the fact that I've controlled and that I've made everything okay. And actually, that's not what's happening. It's totally taken over its grip and it's held on to me when I needed to come and surrender that to Jesus. So this belongs to you. I don't want to be worried and panicked about this. Um, and I just remembered a time when this was a massive thing for me. So a few, some years back, um, I had a really, really big fear of losing Asia to the point that it was really ridiculous. Like, as I think about it now, I just think, how did it get to that? But this is how, this is how fear and worry can control. So I would be, you know, six o'clock, Asia's usually home from work so we can eat dinner as a family. And I would be um, getting dinner ready, getting ready to dish it up. I look at my watch, or the clocks, I don't really own a watch, and he's 10 minutes late, and I'm just thinking, he's 10 minutes late, is everything okay? Okay, so what, what could be happening right now? What if I get a call from A&E and something's happened to him? And then that thought goes to me thinking, do I need to get the children ready so that if I do get a call from A&E, then we can be ready to go to the hospital? And then that goes to another thought, which is, 20 minutes later, what if it's not just a call from A&E, if somebody calls to say that he, you've lost your husband, something he's died on the road. And actually, I can't believe that my thought went from, is everything okay, he's a bit late, that's cool, give it to Jesus, to going all the way down there. That's what happens when, when we don't take every thought captive and we don't trust Jesus. And those are two things that Jesus really challenged me on. Um, because actually, the funny, well, funny bit was, you know, Hazel would walk in through the door and he's just thinking, oh, I'm sorry, babe, I'm just a bit late. I was held up in a meeting and I thought I'd get on the bike really quickly and come home, didn't get a chance to call you to let you know. And what's my response? Because I've already let fear and worry grip me. My response is, I can't believe you. You didn't call. What? And then I'm getting into this massive argument with him. And it's just ridiculous because I could have just totally trusted Jesus and just at that place uh, said, Lord, I just surrender this to you. I surrender this to you. And that's what he's challenged me on. The two things he challenged me on in that situation was, do you trust me that I am a good sovereign God, that everything is in my control and that I hold you together, I hold those that you love together? that 
I am the one that you come to to trust that I will keep you, that I would protect you, that I will provide for you. You don't need to worry about that. And also, teach me self-control, that I need to learn to take every thought captive. When the first thought comes, I just say no. I refuse to let that go anywhere else. And like in Philippians, we're reminded, think what is excellent, what is lovely, what is pure, what is commendable. And I needed to learn in a new way to let my mind be thinking about that instead of thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, that's going to happen. That's just ridiculous. This irrational fear and it becomes so controlling. And actually God was teaching me, I need to at that point be so quick to stop my thoughts right there and say, Lord, I trust you. You are sovereign. I trust you. I'm not going to let my mind get carried away, get carried away and be held by this fear. And talking about fear of God, Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, for the, big, for, for the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And I love that. Because actually, that is about teaching us that we do need to grow in fear. We need to constantly grow in our respect and our awe and our reverence and our adoration of God. It's the sense of coming before him. It's not just a one-off thing. It's constantly coming before him and saying, Lord, I really adore you. You are amazing. And I'm on my knees because I realize that you are so good. That actually every breath that I'm breathing right now, you are the one that's preserving me. Uh, you can choose to stop anything at any time. But you are such a good God that you are holding these things together. You are holding me together. And um, I love it when Jesus uh, emphasizes how sovereign our God is um, and how much the Father cares for his children. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet our heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Jesus wanted to, wants to constantly emphasize how much God cares for us. That's how sovereign he is. He cares for us and everything happens because he wills it. And that means that actually that is so hard. That's really hard to hear when you're going through hard things. It's really hard to hear when... Uh, there is a storm in your mind over things that are happening. It's really hard to hear when people attack you and, you're, and who you are. It's really hard to hear when circumstances around you are really difficult. But what we know about our God, this is amazing. It's, again, the song that we sang today, so I felt like everything was preaching my preach. Um, Romans 8.28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. We can really trust that even when things are hard, God is there with us and he is working it for our good. Like in that psalm, he takes us from that place where things are hard and brings us over here. Because that's the journey that he's got for us. He knows what needs to happen in our lives to make us more like Jesus. He knows what needs to happen to give him glory. And in all of it, he's not just watching on. He is not only watching, but he cares his hands are in there with us. He is ever so close, ever so good, ever so present, ever so tender. And I love that because at moments in my life when I've really needed to know that, I've wanted to sort of hide away and I've wanted to go in my room and just put the blanket over my head. But by his grace, 
He's reminded me that I need to come to him because he is ever so tender. I need to come to him because he's the one who can give me a bird's eye view. He's the one who can come and show me, look, this is where, this is where it's going. I will work all this out for your good. I just need you to hold on to me. I just need you to learn to love me and to trust me. And that's what the disciples needed to learn. He wanted to teach them, do you trust me? Do you believe that I am God? Do you believe and understand more of who I am? And I think that's what—that's my hunger for, for myself and for all of us as a church, and I'm sure that's your hunger, is that you want to get deeper. You want to know more of God. And whether it's that you're going through a hard time right now or that it's coming, we want to be equipped. We want to um, have our armor on and be ready. Have our shield of faith up so that when fear tries to attack, when the darts of the enemy comes, we can put it up and say, no, I know these truths about my God. I know these truths. I've got my helmet on. I know these truths. And I just encourage you to come before God. If if you're going through hard stuff right now, if some of those things that I mentioned are hard, I really just want to pray for us in a minute. And um, yeah, just to have your heart open to God and trust that actually what he's got for you right now is good. He's got good plans. Yeah, Father, I just thank you that you're in control. I thank you that you do as you will, Lord, and that you are sovereign. You are good. Lord, you'll never put us through more than what we can handle, Lord. You come, Lord God, and provide the way out every time because you're a good God. You just want us to keep fixing our eyes on you and knowing who you are. You want us to go deeper and keep hungering for you so that we don't get distracted uh, and our hearts won't be reserved for anything else, Lord. That where we can get distracted with stuff and there can be a part of us that gets um, caught up with other things. I just pray, bring us back in, Lord. Constantly bring us back in so that our eyes are totally fixed on you. Lord, that we can come to you and cry. We can come to you and uh, rejoice. We can come to you and bring everything down and lay it before you. Pray, Lord, help us, protect us from going to other things, protect us from worrying, from being afraid, Lord, from trying to control our lives and control the lives of those around us. I just pray, Lord, would you come and give us freedom from all of that so that we totally trust that you are in control. We totally trust that, uh, yeah, that we can hold on to you as you lead us uh, in life, in this journey, Lord. Amen.